Ain't nothing, man. Ain't nothing, man. We're still out here. No. You know, the weather is starting to try. You know, it's it's starting to starting to crack. Starting over. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, I know, I know, y'all probably getting actual, literally, good weather. Uh, the high was eighty nine today. Yo, that's insane, man. <laughs> man, that is insane. <laughs> it takes us so long. I mean, sometimes we'll get some good weather, but it's it's. I feel like. I feel like we just get like it's a roll dice, man. You you know, it could be ice cold. We could get a crazy eighty something degree day and then it's just you just can never tell. It just goes all the way. It's just who knows? Walk outside, I might need, you know, a freaking winter coat to survive. You know what I'm saying? But, man, this podcast, we're going to try to make it quick, ladies and gentlemen. We we just wanted to touch on, you know, really two topics. One topic, which which was the original, um, you know, the original topic. And, um, and, and oh, yeah, this is, this is done, son. This is Ron. We in the building. You know what I mean? This is... You know, light work, light work. So we got two topics. Um, the first one uh, I am very excited to to talk about because, you know, I'm very excited for this artist to get their number one, their first number one album, their first album to go number one for them, uh, which is super, super, I mean, super amazing for a guy that's 44 and has, you know, had several Solo albums. I don't want to say several, but he's had a couple. He's had a couple. He's had a few. He's had a couple. You know, as it, yeah. you know, crazy enough. You know, he's, he's he's had he's had a couple albums, and he's finally got his one that is hit. Um, crazy enough, I'm I gotta go back and do my googles because I'm surprised Daytona. It'd be interesting what came out when Daytona came out because. Now I'm thinking about like Daytona didn't get a number one. I feel like Daytona was in the heat of when it should have got a number one. But hey, you know, um, yeah, it didn't. It definitely didn't. But I don't remember at all what came out around that time. That's crazy, right? I mean that that was. I mean, I feel like you know whatever heat that he would have had. You know, people were anticipating it, yes, but I feel like Daytona had a lot going on that you would have thought that would have went number one. But I will say, this album going number one, there was really nothing, wasn't anything around. Like, it really was a really great time to put it It out. It was an empty week. Yeah, it was no competition. So it says, according to the Google, it says Daytona actually debuted at number three. That is crazy um, it, to me. Yeah, it came out July 4th, 2018. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is crazy to me. And I, I, I would love to see who beat it. It can't be another hip-hop album. Had to be like, you know, probably it was just, ah, maybe so. It, it might have been. 
Not the hip hop album. I nah, it would have to be somebody that was really. I don't know, but him to get a number three and then now to get a number one, man, it's just a great, they did a really good rollout. They're very creative with the with the rollout and with the marketing and with everything. I'm like, I like what I see. So that's that's the first topic, you know, just talking about, you know, what we think. And actually, I'm glad that it took so much time schedule-wise to get the podcast of the Pusha T, you know, the Pusha T, you know, just review. Um, mm-hmm. It's almost dry. I'm glad because sometimes I feel like the internet forces you to speak about an album before you get a chance to digest and really sit with the album. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, definitely, we live in an era of instant um, commentary on every sub- every subject, every topic gets debated and discussed to death immediately. Uh, so, um, I agree. I th- I'm definitely happy we did it a little bit later than initially uh, we wanted to, uh, which gave us a little bit of a chance to kind of sit with it and digest it and give it a few more run-throughs. Yeah, it just gives you time to really, you know what I mean? Because for anybody that... For anybody that says that they automatically, you know, have all the details of an album in two days, it's crazy. Like, I mean, I can I can tell you I can tell you first listen whether I think it's even like worth even talking about. Like, um it doesn't take me long to know if I if I dislike it. Um Liking it, it's levels to it. So I first listened, I did listen to it and was like, oh, it's a good album. It's a good album. Um, was it all that the hype might have made it to be? It still took me time to really kind of just sit with the album mm-hmm. and, and really um, just kind of just listen to it from many different different ways and things like that. But um, I think it's maybe and I hate saying this. See, like this this whole um, it's hard with these reviews of an album, especially when it comes to Pusher, because I feel like there's there is before the beef and then there's after the beef. And I feel like I remember the days. You know, there's a revisited, a revisit, a revisited, I'm messing it all up. The revisited history, like like revisional history. Um right. where people act as if, you know, they've been rocking with Pusha the whole time. And I'm not mad at it because he he deserves every bit of light he's getting because the man has been rapping since I was I might have, I I probably was in high school I feel like I had to be in high school he's been rapping for a yeah. long time man and if at the age of 44 he gets his first breakout album 
which is crazy to me because I thought Daytona was that, but apparently the streets are telling me <laughs> the streets are telling me this is his breakout album. Um, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I I don't like I don't I don't like that though. I don't like I don't like Daytona getting this kind of like it wasn't a tough album, you know. Or, I mean, not it wasn't a tough album, but that it's. Because of this album, and this is probably going to be his more commercially successful album, that it kind of like nullifies how successful um, Daytona was. You know, Daytona is or Daytona was. You you get what I'm saying? Right, right. So you know, yeah, I feel like. Um like Twisted T as an artist of course we originally know him as part of a group which I don't even know whether that's even being discussed enough but um, not a lot I think he's just one of those artists who has always been around and his career has been more of a slow burn uh, I guess to maybe the masses but if you know if you're in the know and if you're really a hip hop fan everybody knows about Twisted T who's really a fan Maybe to the general audience or the mainstream audience, maybe they may not have known him as much until the uh, Drake situation, of course, because why would they? Um, but, I mean, if you're in the know, you, you, you've all known about Push P, right? Um, but what it is showing is that the career of a hip-hop artist is still being defined and redefined consistently. Because there was a specific career arc that was typical of a rapper at a certain point. But now we're seeing all different kinds of ways rappers can have careers. So you can start off as a member of a group in the 90s, <laughs> and then in 2022, according to whoever, you know, this is your breakout moment. Now imagine that. You've been doing it for more than 20 years, and now you have a breakout moment. Unbelievable. In hip-hop, a um, genre that you never seen that. Initially, it was, you know, in and out. And still a lot of careers are that way. But it's interesting now as hip-hop starts to age to see those different trajectories for careers. True. And I, th- I think the, the strange thing about Push's career, and he talks about it in a few interviews, he touches on, you know, how long, like how it's kind of like, he always gets a resurgence, right? He'll have a moment where he kind of, he comes out, he'll have a song. The people who like him or the people, his niche community, uh, mm-hmm. his tribe, they will, they will bump it. They will rock with it to stand the third. Um, but it'll never be something that everybody can get into. It'll, it'll be like basically a hip hop fan. And I'll be honest, as I think about it, I know hip hop fans that like, and these are more older, older. These are from the hip, the hop, the hippie, you know, that fan that they'll go like, man, that's trash because they still kind of look at like anything that's, that's advocating any type of violence. And I guess it was out there back in those days, but maybe it just wasn't as like, maybe you had to really, really dig deep in listening to a record to get the violence part. And maybe even 
the narrative was more of like really watching what was going on. You know, like the message, mm-hmm. like literally you telling a story about what's going on. But you're not you're not necessarily the guy. Um, that mm-hmm. story. And I, I, I definitely the older, maybe at this point, maybe mid to late fifties, maybe even early sixties fan might be, you know, they, they look at anything that's like, not all of them, but there's a segment of them that definitely look at anything, you know, glorifying violence or, you know, I'm a hustler and different things like that. They're like, "Eh," you know, it sometimes, you know, it, it may not be their particular, but I feel like, Pusha's trajectory, like you said, is kind of like one of those trajectories where he just kind of, I, I oftentimes feel very, and I'm even more conflicted now, because I, I don't like the thing that I guess people can't help. I don't like the thing that an artist has been out this whole time, right? They have had records. And even when they didn't have maybe their record be the record, or maybe their record didn't hit the the whole sphere, they just could always hit a segment. They would hit features and be incredible. Like when you think about the Don't Like record, I mean, his bars on that, I mean, people, I've, I went to a, a show um I went to a Pusha T show, like the beginning of his, I don't want to say the beginning of his set, but a good bit of his set is just his features. And he's got tons of features. Tons. And the bars are always good. Like there's never like weak bars on any of the features. Like he always comes and kills those records. So it's like, I think people, and, and let me know what you think about this. I think people are so used to like, okay, he comes out, he presents you a body of work, and then that's the joint. Like, okay, and then he has the records that come behind that, and then those are the records. And that's not his career, right? But in many ways that he was, he did, he had a huge record. I mean, he was a part of a group, but he had a, he had, grinding was out of here. But they just don't give him that that for whatever reason. I mean, maybe age, whatever. But what do you think about that? This thing that's happening, I see it happening with um, It's Almost Dry. This is his breakout album, they're basically saying. And they said that with Daytona, but apparently now because he he has, uh, I don't know, like I guess between Diet Coke and... Um, and uh, the other record that he's he's pushing now, everybody's like, okay, he's finally got it. But it's like, did he finally get it? Is that is that true? No, I think, like you uh, mentioned earlier, I think Pusha T was always more of an artist that was, <clears throat> especially as a solo artist, um, catering to his audience, just super serving his particular audience. Smart. And, so it's more like a boutique sort of thing versus a, like a widely available Walmart. It was yeah. more of like a, you know, more of a custom-made, custom-fitted style that only a 
few people would uh, seemingly rock with. So he was never really, like, I can't remember him ever really dropping a single single or a radio-friendly single as Pusha P, or maybe as the clip a little bit, but definitely not as Pusha P. So I think he was always just serving that audience, and he knew that was his key to success. Um, and I think that through the Daytona thing, and, you know, the Grammy nomination and the Drake thing and all of that, I just think his name just got a little bit more pronounced, a little bit more people, a little bit more people and more people started to catch on. Um, and maybe that's why now it's getting more light. Um, but I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I would call this a breakthrough. You know, I don't know if that's exactly accurate, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's weird to call this a breakthrough album. I just think, like, like I said, he was just uh, an artist who was a small of a slow burn, possibly. Uh, but I still can't see him being, like, a, you know, a pop artist. Like, I just can't ever see that ever being a thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say, I can definitely see a trajectory where he becomes a lot bigger than what people thought he was going to be. Because I think, you know, especially after the interview with him and Charlemagne, you know, I think for so many years, he really didn't talk. He really didn't do interviews. And even the interviews he would do, you really didn't know any more than, you know, what you knew before and after the interview was the same. You know, he really never gave you um, any insight to who is the person. I think this is probably the first time, you know, I we as rap fans, we knew his, you know, his name. You know, we knew that, you know, his brother is Malice. We knew a lot of the story of him and the Neptunes. Um, we knew a lot of it, but I feel like he's being way more uh, transparent now and just talking about, and even then, you know, it's not, it's still bits and pieces that you got to put together. Um, but I feel like he's just being more of a communicator to the fans and to the audience, even the people that were following them all along. Um, I don't, I don't think that this, I think for the mainstream, this is his breakout mainstream album, for sure. I think this album has, to me, all that it would take for any fan. Like, it's it's like you can get straight rapping, like, if you just came for the raps. And one thing that I remember Kanye at, on a previous um, album that, I think it was Heavy Kanye Beats, heavy Kanye direction. Um, Kanye was talking about building records for him that he didn't have to, like, try to write the record. Like, the record was already there, and he could just get on the record and rap. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, let's cut some hooks together so that old school, like, you don't really have to come up with the hook. The concept is really there. Just write to the concept. And he could just go and be himself. Because I feel like what Pusha does well 
is he can narrate the way he narrates on any track. And, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, finding witty and creative ways to compare and, and different word wizardries, he has, he, has, he has a lot more tools in his rap game than people give him credit for. You know, he really is able to kind of kind of interweave. Like, I like him calling himself the, like, the hip-hop Scorsese. And I mm-hmm. think even with the record he just came out with, I think that's, like, the best um, um, Call My Bluff. Yeah, that I was trying to come up with the title. Call My Bluff, to me, is one of his best work, one of his best um, of, like, being able to really storytell and really kind of play that game where it's like, I don't, the dope part is I'm not going to talk. Like, I'm going to be me, right? Going back to what we were talking about. He's not a guy to be, like, actually... We're going to have a conversation, but I'm not going to tell I'm not going to talk to you just I'm not going to give it all away. or I'm not going to like have these like just straight up conversations. I'm going to talk about it in a way that you know what I'm talking about. And that's like the art of it all. Like, And he does that very well. And I think, you know, he is probably one of the better artists ever. Like maybe him, Ross. Um, trying to think of somebody else that plays that that game very well. Um, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm right now. First in my mind is like a Ross or him, where they can really write some records where it's kind of like you can really they can really paint pictures about what they're trying to trying to describe. Mm-hmm. Um, very descriptive. Um, visual to give you a visual experience while you listen to, while you're listening to the lyrics. Uh, okay, so let's talk about let's talk about the tracks on the album. So um, we kind of talked about things surrounding the album, but we never really actually talked about oh yeah the tracks themselves. So um, I, I I'll start with this. So what what are your highlights? track on the album like what are your i would say top few or what are the standouts for you well definitely the first record i you know i tried to get away from that because that's so easy uh but (laughs) but brambleton i I, Mm -hmm. it just i always come back to it it is just a really going back to storytelling and the beat is just you know, Pharrell's new, you know, it's Pharrell, but it's like newish, you know, the new uh, iteration, the new evolution of what he gave. Um, and that goes throughout the whole album. I thought was a really good, I'm not, I'm cool on the Kanye records, honestly. You know I mean? Yeah. Diet Coke is really 99 keys. I think I'm saying it right. I think that, I think it's 88 keys. My, my bad. My apologies. Mm-hmm. 88 <laughs> keys. Um, yeah, like, like that's his beat. I mean, he did produce it like with the fat Joe cuts and stuff like that. I'll give him that. But the way the 88, um, talks about it, I mean, from his IG, like 
it the beat had been done years ago. Like that's the beat, the just of the beat. He might mix it, he might mix it, he might add something to the drums, but you know, that that's the beat. I and I like Diet Coke a lot. That's another one that I uh now I like Diet Coke. Diet Coke is something I keep coming back to. Brambleton I keep coming back to. Um Um I'm trying to think of another one that uh neck and wrist is is just hard. I've I've just I big fan of that record. Um I actually think Pusha did a really good job of kind of carving the space in that record that like Jay couldn't like kill him on his own record. I, I just it wasn't possible. I just feel like what Pusha did with that record with that flow pattern. And just uh, and really making Jay kind of get on what he was on, because mm-hmm. Jay starts mimicking what he did in the first verse. Like he kind of, yeah, you know, you know, he kind of started, he kind of set the pace, and Jay kind of went with the pace that that Pusha T dictated. So I, I like that a lot. Um, most people that feature Jay kind of let Jay take over the record sometimes, or or at least match them on the record and i feel like you know it's really about what you into who you would say did it better but i think push your t if you said push your t um you know one that i wouldn't be mad at it you know i mean i i thought you know somewhat when you go back and listen to jay's verse it actually does have some really very cool ways of um some very cool raps in that, like very cool ways of being very disrespectful, like very, <laughs> very money disrespect, but on a whole nother. Because at first I was like, dang, Pusha kind of really was very technically sound like that. I was like, dang, that was pretty, that's pretty solid. Like he kind of like nailed it a little bit, Jay. But then going back, I was like, oh, this guy, he kind of. It's very nonchalant, but what he's saying is kind of like, uh, that was a little, it was a little nasty. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and uh, my last record that I'll I'll jump on, you know, I'll I'll uh, uh, last two. Uh, obviously, I just talked about call my bluff. I think that's that is a. I mean, that joint sounds like a movie. It sounds like a thriller. Sounds like a horror movie, and it's just. I just feel like the word, not just the lyrical storytelling, like where it's like he's telling you this story, but he's keeping it in the rhyme pockets. He's keeping it in the rhyme schemes. But I like how he does this this tone in the record where it's like the the main thing I love about Call My Bluff is it's very nonchalant, which when I listen to Pusher, he sounds like, even when he describes certain things that may be, con- con- you know, considered to be, you know, tense situations, he's so nonchalant about it. He not, he doesn't really, you know, he's like, you know, you know, I love that everything don't have to be addressed. You know, I'm not going to go back and forth with you. You know, if I have to do something, you you, I want you to know that. That is not something outside of my, you know, abilities to do. So, you know, it's, it's you know, like, I just love, <clears throat> and even the video, the video is crazy. Like, you know, the video is, hey, did you get a chance to ch- uh, check out the video? 
I have not seen the video yet. Yo, bro, watch the video. Man. <laughs> video is a little. It's a little. You know. It's 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 a little crazy. It's a little crazy. Uh, you know. It, it got a little violent. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> and, <laughs> got a little violent. And uh, my last record would be on air. It reminded me of uh, old school Neptune's type of record. And um, he glided on that record, man. I mean, he just glided on that record. And I feel like, um, you know, just quick thought. I I feel like Pharrell gave him what I wish he would have gave him all the other times he gave him beats and records. Like, (laughs) I, I wish he had started here versus giving him stuff that was like, just stuff where they trying to find something that all the people are going to rock with type of thing. Or they try to give him something that is clipsy. It's got a little clips to it. And it's not tailor fit for him. And I feel like this is the first time Pharrell sat. And they said, you know, he he they lived together. They built records together for days at a time, months at a time. I feel like this is the first time... Pusha got like a tailor fit suit when it comes to Pharrell. Like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna give you since we, you know, we built a thing and then we're like, yo, this you need to do this and we you need to do this and this record you need to do this. Like, no, we're gonna let's get into what you do well, mm. and then let's like build records around. What people? What do people love when they listen to Push? They want to hear Pusha talk that shit. They want to hear him talk Pusha, um, Pusha talk shit. Like, not just and not for for the lazy fan, not just drug shit. It's like if you really into Pusha, you really want to hear him talk and articulate his point of view. And it's like, I can't describe it no other way. It's, it's like a, the way he sees the world and the way he talks about stuff is very interesting. It's very creative and it's very intriguing to the listener. And um, yeah, long, long story short, those are the records that I really um, pulled from. How about yourself? Um, so, per usual, we have a similar list there. So. <laughs> Oh, Not shit. a whole lot of surprises there, but um, so the first one, Brambleton, um, that was a standout, and it's the first track, and it's weird because it doesn't really sound like it's not a, it's not really an intro record at all, um, but the fact that you know he's really actually, you know, one thing about Pusher is that, and what could be a criticism of him is that. He's not necessarily introspective very much. True. Um, he's not really going to give you a whole lot of him, which is why, you know, the Charlemagne interview and, as you said, you know, other interviews and him opening up more about himself and his personality is new because we never really got a whole lot of that. Which, from that era and that age and in that background, it's understandable. Uh, back then, that just was how artists kind of work, especially from in that lane. Um, but the fact that you know that it's actually a, it's addressing a, a real thing, you know what I'm saying? Like a real situation 
with their former manager and the fallout of their relationship. And it even addresses the Vlad interview, you know, which I don't know. I don't know if you saw, saw the Vlad interview. With their I saw bits manager, and pieces of it. it. It is, it is very, it's a lot. That, that is a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Like I haven't gotten through all of it, but from what I've heard, Mm-hmm. And now I think I finished one episode. I think there's like a couple parts to it. Um, yeah, yeah. It, that's a lot. That's a, that's a lot to be, you know, <laughs> it's a lot to interview about. Like that, I don't, you know, that's a very crazy thing. That interview is mm-hmm. crazy. And um, if you, you know, if you know the history uh, of, you know, what happened and clips background and all of that sort of stuff. Um, it's just very interesting because, you know, of course, you don't really hear them talk too much about that. So that part of it was interesting. And then, you know, um, I agree with you. I think Pharrell did a great job on this album uh, with almost everything he, he put his hands on. Um, and so the, the soundscape was very interesting. And it, it kind of puts you more in a clip pocket, makes you think more of of the clips, if you're familiar with that discography, then you'll connect with that, you know. Um, so that one, uh, Dreaming of the Past, which a lot of people don't seem to like, but I, I actually like that one. What? Um, yeah, I actually like it. And I understand that the sample is, is distracting and it's too loud and it's extra stripped down. There's really not very much to it, but I like that. Okay. I like that sort of production. Especially when you have someone like Pusha, who is uh, so lyrical, it gives you an opportunity to really pay attention to the words. You know, um, I didn't love the only the, the thing that threw me off about that song is just the the hook itself is a little a little different. But yeah. I, I feel like Pusha was Pusha was pushing himself, no pun intended, in this, on this <laughs> album to go into different directions. You can tell that he was pushing himself as an artist to try different flows and try mm-hmm. different pockets, um, different vocal tones. And um, I think he's, he even mentioned in one of the interviews, maybe the one with Hot 97, where he said, you know, he allowed himself to actually be produced this time. And he took a bunch of suggestions from Pharrell and Kanye on, on what he should do. You know what their thoughts were on how he should rap on the song, or what pattern he should use, which fine scheme, and you can see that. Um, so, um, Naked Risk, I actually don't like very much at all. Actually, wow. um, I think that's actually one of the weaker points in the album for me. Um, wow. um I, I I don't like that hook at all. Um, I feel like the beat itself is cool, but you know, for it to be, for it to get the amount of hype that it got in, <laughs> in receipts, and I understand Jay Z, I mean, it's always going to be hype whenever he appears. But um, for that, I, I really didn't. I thought it was underwhelming, honestly. And as I listen to the album more and more, I, that's the track that I skip. So, wow, um, okay. Diet Coke. One of my favorites, uh, the lead single. Uh, you pretty much broke it down 
as much as it can be broken down. So, but that's probably the one that I listen to the most, which is weird because it's the actual single, but that's the one that I listen to the most. Um, I love the, uh, I love, I love the, uh, Fat Joe sample in that. Like, I just feel like that was so appropriate to put him on there, um, the way he did. Um, Call My Bluff is one another standout for me as well. Open Air, I feel the same way that you do about that one. And then um, Hear Me Clearly, I like that one too. That one was is really good. Um, and the final track, um, I'll Pray For You. Now, it was just great to hear the clips back together on the track Man. again. And Man. that song reminds you of what you love. If you are, you know, if you were a Clips fan, are you familiar with their, their discography, as I mentioned earlier, like, it reminds you of what you love about the Clips when they're together. Because them as a duo, just like a lot of groups, sometimes when you break groups apart, you don't like the individual parts as well separately because there's something about being in the group for some groups that work together. Like, you know, they balance each other out. Um, so for Malice and Pusha, Malice was always the one that was going to give you substance. Yeah. He's giving you deep <laughs> thoughts, emotions. Very uh, introspective. Give you some Bible scripture. Yeah. Very deep. Almost, he could almost be too heavy at times. Yeah. But then Push is the one that gives you style and flash. He gives you different flows and he gives you, he makes you laugh and things like that. And they, they are just the perfect combination together. They really are. Um, because they give you everything that you can want from a lyricist all in one group. Um, so it's just great to hear them together. And rumor has it that they, could possibly be I'm working on something into together. So. I'm not feeding into it. I'm, you know, I'm done. I'm not going to get happy. I ain't going to get happy. You're not going to steal my joy, man. Saying. I'm not going to do saying. it. It's out there. So, you know, maybe, possibly, we could be a, a full reunion. So, there you have it. I hope so, man. But it's it's just, yeah, I know it's not Push. Like, I know it's not him. And it's like, no. I've seen interviews with Malice, and it seems like, you know, he's, you know, with no Malice, you know, he, he seems like, you know, you know, and I, with us talking about how introspective he is, I, I think that a lot of times you, he, I always get the vibe that, like, there's a lot of, like, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm that nigga, and yeah, I, I did it, and yeah, I was that guy, but there's like, there's the description of the pain, the description of just yeah. the losses, regret. The, you know, yeah, regret and things like that. It's like he, he doesn't ever seem, even like when the Clips won, he, it, like I look back and you start to see interviews and you start to see things, and I'm sure he was excited, but I, he always seemed like he wasn't, Comfortable. He always seemed like mm-hmm. he was uncomfortable all the all the time. Like he just was not. He just did not necessarily 
just feel he didn't look comfortable. He, and then when you start to see, you know, interviews afterwards when he, you know, after he retired, you realize, like, he, I think he struggles with being, like, a star. Like, I, I could almost see him doing an Andre where it's like they do a tour and he says he's going to go and it ends, it ends up being a Pusha T tour. Like, you know, he doesn't, he might do Virginia Beach and, like, a couple mid-Atlantic areas and then he's like, I ain't. Going through all the, you know, I mean, I'll just stay home or whatever. Yeah, so. yeah I think he carries a lot of um, he carries a lot of guilt in general about their former life and, or involvement with certain things, and then about being a rapper and how he lived his life. Then, you know, yeah, they, you know, if I, I want to repeat myself, but <laughs> as we know. From their discography, like they were very heavily influenced by church, yeah, you know, and Malice always brought that into his lyrics. So when um, he stepped away or decided to move over to more Christian or gospel-based music, um, I think he was always leaning in that direction from the beginning. Yeah, you know, that was always something that was weighing on him anyway. And, um, and so I think that's where, that's definitely where the conflict is, you know? Um, so we'll see. I'm hopeful though, man. I'm more hopeful than you, but I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> He's one thing we can say, he hasn't lost it. This this is probably the best verse that I've heard. Oh, thus he, they're breaking up that, you know, since them breaking he up. He has not lost his step at all. Yeah, I was, like, I was like, you know what? This this is um, this is a really good malice verse. Like, it, it'll be interesting to see with the excitement. Um, does that kind of? I, I honestly, I don't need a tour, and I don't need a full clips album. Like, I, I'm cool with I um. Well, I need the whole thing. Ron wants the full, full LP. He wants the full LP. And, and- Chad has to be on production as well. I'm sorry. I need everybody together. Yeah, yeah. Chad, yeah, yeah. Chad and Pharrell have to be together, making the beat together with Malice and Pusha. And I think Ad Lobby should be in the room somewhere. No, Gotta be. Gotta be. Do we, do we, do we, do we bring uh, the... Uh, Ad I don't know. You, 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 do, do we get? Do we bring the whole uh, Rio gang? Do we get some Rio gang in there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we gotta, we gotta bring them back. Rio gang, man. What's what's the other guy that? Uh, got it um, uh, the remember the song that he had that he had one record. Uh, throw your bowls up, and now they can't even dump, dump the frozen cups, cause it's like that. Uh, uh. It's not Roscoe. Dang, um, what was his name? Ah. We we need him too. We need him somewhere in there. Ah, what is what is that guy's name? Crap. Was it Roscoe people? Okay. I don't Roscoe think it was. People? I don't think it was Roscoe people. Who? What other name do you say? I'm about to. No, Sandman was in Rio too. I don't know, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> Back on track. Oh, wait, you know what? Since we're on this, we're talking about the clip. Um, so, T mentioned this in, in, I can't remember if it was the Breakfast, Breakfast Club interview or 
do it hot nine seven, but Family. Speaking of that. Family. Oh, okay. Yes. Family. Yes, definitely. You know you know who this is super uh <laughs> um, super tangent, but you know who family is responsible for discovering? Who? Dia. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was managing her for a time, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's the one that introduced her to uh Crazy. Yep. I remember I remember Crazy. that. Is it I guess I'm hope I'm guessing he's still managing her and uh and uh, getting that going. Yeah. You know. Or at least somewhere in the picture. Somewhere in the picture. Um, but yeah. Back to the interview. So speaking of that song, somebody um Christian was bringing up that people had started to bring up that old argument as to who is the better rapper between those two. Yeah, that I saw that. Christian, right? So, I'll ask you the age-old question to you. Who is the better rapper, Malice or Pusha? I'm saying Pusha. And I like Malice. Okay. I like and Malice. Did you, feel that, did you always feel that way? Or did it change? Um, I, uh, when I started to feel that Pusha was better, because, see, Malice was better first. Like, Malice mm-hmm. had it first. And, like, I, this, this is just my perspective from what I saw. Um, to me, if I, when I listen to Lord Willing, I feel like Malice really, that might have been his heyday of, like, Malice was killing. Uh, Pusha was never like not coming with with the with the rhymes, but it was just like Malice was like probably a complete Malice where it was like you he kind of gave you both sides, like because he he was saying some ill he was saying some ill stuff. I mean, he was still introspective, but it wasn't quite like it was certain records where um, yeah. where he would talk. Um, um, he would talk some introspection, but he would also talk some like, yo, I'm that nigga stuff too. But as he albums would. went on, he started to pull away from doing that. But um, I feel like when Pusha T started hitting the mixtape circuits, this is early, you know, remixes. I think he got cool. a few Khaled remixes. I think he started to get out there and really... This might have been when maybe it was starting to kind of move apart, uh, the the squad uh, situation. Pusha started to just have, it just, he started to just have record after record. Like any record I heard him on, he never came off crazy. And Malice kind of, kind of fell to the wayside. And then there were a couple of times that I would hear Malice and he was rapping. It wasn't like, it was not. Com- it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like it was not Lord Willing. It was not. It was like something happened where he kind of like wasn't giving me Lord Willing malice, which was my favorite malice. And Pusha T just kind of jumped, and then he just never stopped. He just never got bad. I mean, he never regressed at all. He just. Everything he came out with was was starting to just either it was gonna either be man that was cool 
or yo, that's it's crazy. It was just either that, and I felt like when Malice didn't have maybe the love for it the same, maybe he was still doing it, but he didn't have that same that same flame to to really just just kill. And actually, I feel like a lot of those bars towards him separating, they became even more introspective in a way that like sometimes those verses didn't even fit. Like, they didn't mm-hmm. fit what Pusha was saying. Like, Pusha's talking all this shit, and he would be saying things that it's not... And I keep saying it's not... If we're talking technically, it wasn't bad rhymes, but it was, like, off the subject. It wasn't, like, really... It's really... we and we. He's just talking to himself, and he's working out things with himself. But this whole other verse is about like some shit. Like how did it get there? Like that was what was happening. It would be like, push her, say some shit. And then malice verses would be like, Oh, okay. That I didn't think of that perspective, but it just didn't fit sometimes the mood of what the song was exactly. But I say, so I just say malice was the first I rocked with malice first. And then as time went on, I just think as malice to me, started to pull away from wanting to do it. Pusher still wanted it. And I think that's when it started to become like, you know, he started to become the better rapper for me. I agree. I agree with that mostly. Um, and, I, and I do agree that I think towards um, so the last album they had together is the casket drop, right? To the casket drop. I think that's the last one. Um. So, on that one, I can hear exactly what you're talking about the most, where you can kind of tell, or it seems like Malice isn't all the way in it anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, the topics. But like the topics would just be kind of... Well, I think part of that is kind of like the balance that I was talking about though because I feel like on one hand Pusha T is giving you one perspective and then Malice is giving you the other side you know what I mean so sometimes that does work but then also I feel like on some records it was supposed to be shit talking and Malice just wasn't going to go there anymore I'm just not going to shit talk anymore (laughs) I just don't do that I'm only going to give you uh introspection and nothing else and medicine you know Um, and medicine like you know some of those bars was like definitely giving you like what which is basically always given he was always putting the medicine in the candy but i think at some point it became mostly medicine Exactly. exactly the gap between them became very and I get what you're saying. It, he always had a, Lord willing might be the the best of malice and least meeting pusher in the middle because he's him. But a lot of those he was still like that. Yeah. Um, they got this record where he was like, I don't know the title of it, but he was like, y'all said he was like, you think I? He was like, you know, I'm not you. I'm not you, rapper. Because there used to be this thing when they used to like be like, yo, you think I'm a rapper. I'm not a mm-hmm. rapper. Like, I'm not like I'm not you dudes, like- you know, lying and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, uh, he, I mean, 
I like uh, what is it? Hell has no fury. Yeah, I like hell has has no fury. Also, I do like hell has no fury. Cause oh, cause they hell has no fury got some. They got some. I mean, it's it's an argument. Yeah. It's an argument. That's the one right there. That's the one to me. It's an argument because that joint where they got the beats with the pings in it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I can't think. Uh, keys open door. Oh Play my keys gosh! Open door. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! Man, it's a problem. It's a problem. Like, I mean, that beat. Like, you want to talk about Neptune's yeah. at pure? Yep. <laughs> like, what in the world is going? on like what is happening like you know what i mean and yo they was it's like i like uh the third um the third album what's the what's the title of the third album till the casket drops i like till the casket drops but i feel like that is like the end like that is kind of like where okay you know um it's cool like kind of like a big deal i like that but even on kind of like a big deal, like the verse that Malice, he's doing it. He's he's going there, but it's just not. I don't know. It, it felt like the vibe was gone. But but them first two albums, it's an argument that could be made. They had two just nuclear weapons. You know what? What I will say is. It might be a tie at their at their best. Malice at his best and Pusha T at his best might be as close to a tie as you can get for me. You, Only because you... for me as a as a listener, I'm always leaning more towards introspection. Okay. I always lean more toward that. I always give like I always put the sliders up more on that. Um. Don't know why. Just that's, that's just me as a as a rap fan. I always put more emphasis on that. So that's why I like Malice the most at first. Because to be honest, when I first started listening to the clip, I would always like Malice's verses more because I almost felt like Pusha T was just saying nonsense. Which you sound good, but you're not really saying anything. So that shit talking. But yeah. But it's not going anywhere. Almost like a little Wayne verse. Like, okay, you're saying stuff, but where's it going? Um, you want you want some substance. <laughs> you want some substance. Uh, but so that's why I was leaning more towards Malice. But then, as Pusha T got better at being a rapper, even though he may, and, you know, he 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 refined himself as an artist so much. In over the years, and got so much better at doing what he does, um, that that itself is the talent. So you don't even have to really tell me a story or give me, you know, real life, because you're so you're so good at doing this part. Um, and so that's where he took the baton. You know what I mean? But I think at their absolute peak, they they're really close to being tied. Which album do you think they were the most tied? Hell, Half No Fury. Okay. 
Okay. That's the one. That's the one, man. Because to me, balance is clearly better. Not not that much better, but it's a clear advantage to Malice on Lord Willing to me. And Hell Have No Furious is where I feel like they are the most um, equal. And to the casket drop, it always it almost feels like the baton has been shifted, has been passed over, and the vibe has shifted now. And it's more leaning towards pushing to you, you know. That makes sense. I mean, but you know what? As we describe that, and we're and we're gonna we're gonna get to the second. As you can see, Ron and I grew up in a time where you know the clips was that that was that was part of our soundtrack for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was that was just one of my uh, my go tos. I, I bought Lord Willing, um, bumped it heavy. Heavy, like it's just oh. one of my go-to's. Speaking of the clip, you know their first unreleased album is now on. on yeah, with platform. the funeral on there. I remember that yeah. music video. I yeah. remember that music video on BET. I remember when that came out. Mm, they, and they didn't get any real traction for real. No, and that was that. No, I remember that video. I remember them saying they were. Re- Anything that was coming out the Neptune's world, I was always like, okay, I gotta check it out. Like I, I you know, I, I listen to nerd. I listen to, um, I try and listen to all the stuff. I'm not gonna say I rocked with everything that Neptune's put out, like as far as artists, but it was like, um, definitely the best. That that I, as far as an artist under their under their thing under their crew, like the clips was just the top of that. But at that time, I'm gonna be honest. At that time, I wasn't sure if they were gonna figure it out because because that first effort, I wasn't. I like the beats. I can see where they're trying to go, but you can see that they were still developing. They were still figuring out, and I did not know like. I think their trajectory was kind of fast. Like it wasn't that long. Like, cause I think I heard somewhere it was like they lost the deal, and then they got yeah. another deal. Like not that long after, because you know Pharrell, like they they easily yeah. got another deal in no time. Like it was fairly quick. Their you know ascent to being you know stars. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he cause um I think Malice said that they um. Grinding, it took him nine months, I think, to get grinding to go. Yeah, it had been it had been released long before it actually became a hit. Yeah, they which had to work crazy. that record, <laughs> which was crazy because from the moment I heard it, and it feels like from the moment everybody heard it, they knew. But I guess I guess it didn't happen that way. But I like people describing what I. I was hearing, like, because, see, like, I like the clips, but I knew a lot of people that wasn't listening to the clips, like, when I was coming up. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, it wasn't like my experience. It wasn't like everybody I knew. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a Master P deal. Like, I feel like Master P was like, when his wave happened, it just seemed like it was just nowhere you couldn't go. It was just nowhere you could go. Like, it was just like, yo, it's literally... 
everywhere you're hearing these No Limit records, and it's just like, that's what's going on right now. Um, it wasn't like that. Like, I, I remember listening to um, Lord Will and, and bumping it, and outside of the first single, even when they were hot, it was, it was, um, it had, uh, they had that record, then they had the club record that they put out when the last time you heard them like this. When the last time, you yeah. know, um, that, that was, that was the joint. And then they tried to put out the female joint with Ma I Don't Love Her. Yeah, Ma I Don't Love Her, yeah. You know, but that's not it, you know, but, and that was kind of, you know, it, 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 it you know, it was, you know, but, but I didn't know a lot. I knew a select group of people that really rocked with that. Like I knew more people yeah. that was like, they like grinding. Even the yeah, second record, right, I didn't know a lot of people that was like bumping um, when the last time you heard like this. People were like, oh, that's cool. You know, but yeah, you're right, though. it wasn't, it wasn't like right. that. They didn't really have mass, mass appeal. They had their audience and those who, who knew, knew, but it wasn't everybody. Which connects to the pusher thing. It, it's, it's, I think that, and whether he becomes like, I guess a bigger star from uh, this album. I think the truth of it all is like that Charmaine interview really gives you an insight to, he really is like, I I think even it, when he becomes maybe a little bit more mainstream, I think he will always be a niche artist. I think his his actual brand and everything that he's doing, he's just going to be a niche guy. Like, I think that his style and even his subject matter, I think it makes it where it just, it has to be niche. Like you either got to be a particular type of rap fan, or you got to be a guy that does like to hear different ways of talking about dope in different type of ways. And Pharrell and Kanye both do a great job of, you can be you, and then we'll build something around you that people can can get into. Um, and so, at, what, overall, what what do you where do you put this album? Do you feel like it's uh, does it get five mics from you, or you know, do you feel like this is one of his? Uh, yeah, what type? Uh, where would you give it one to ten? Um, so. So I, I initially rated it out of five, but I guess I couldn't. Yeah, let's do let's do five because I said I said five mics. So let's do five. So when I go through it track by track and I um, uh, rated each track one through five, I ended up coming up with three point eight out of five. Okay. Okay. Um. But as an album itself, I probably would bump it up just a little bit. Maybe four out of five, okay. I would say. Um, I still don't know whether I like it more than Daytona or not. I'm still um, sitting with that question. But what I will say is that um, I, I could definitely give him um, pluses for just, just growth as an artist overall. Um, I felt like he really 
stepped outside of his comfort zone multiple times uh, on this album. Even trying, you know, up tempo tracks and all kind of stuff. Um, but where the album is lacking a bit is the cohesiveness to me. And I think that stems from the Kanye and then also Pharrell thing. Like, and I, that, was, that was something that I was uh, fearing going into the album when they announced it, and, and he was saying that it was going, oh, it's going to be half Kanye, it's going to be half um, Pharrell. I was like, okay, how is that going to sound? <laughs> how is that going to be cohesive? Like, because Kanye can kind of really do a lot of different things, but Pharrell is known especially for being really outside of the box, you know? So, I felt like the track listing itself may could have spent, could have stood to be a little bit better, but also it's just the different sounds don't really go well together. Yeah, and I felt like they could have did a, a better job of making it come together more. Uh, but overall, I mean, it's, it's a great album. Though. Overall. Um, I would say it's definitely one of his better. I don't. I still don't know which one or two, but it's, it's top two for him for sure between the last album Daytona and, and this one uh, for sure. I, I love the direction he's going, and hopefully, he says it's not going to take a, as long to come out with the next one. But I'm definitely interested to see where he goes next after this. How about you? I will also say, you know, this is this is my brother here. We. We're going to pretty much, you know, give or take, have a, you know, I didn't say neck and wrist. I like neck and wrist. You see that he he, he doesn't like neck and wrist. Oh, so, no. you know, there, there's there's some variations there. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I gave it a four out of five. And I will also, I'm going to say four out of five. I'm going to I'm going to go, you know, you already said cohesiveness, but you saying that made me think about what I think is the greatest thing about this album. Ain't not the greatest thing. Great in theory having Kanye and Pharrell both um from probably Pusha's perspective, two of the best producers, legendary producers. Why would you not give both of them a shot? split the album in half or, you know, give them both some a good piece of your album. And uh, how can that not be great? The problem is the Sonics. And to be honest, I feel like there's no way, even though Jay has met, he, Jay has had Pharrell, Jay has had Kanye, but for whatever reason, I'm guessing he, I think for, for, Jay-Z has proven that it can be done. Um, I do think Jay-Z picks records that they kind of, those records work. Maybe that's really it. Because I was about to say the Jay-Z and Kanye, I mean the um, Pharrell and Kanye, the Sonics don't work. But Jay has proven that they do. You know, now, now, what I and now this is all coming. I'm just this is off the cuff. Because at first I was gonna say from what you said, you know, 
they should just did one record with the Neptunes and maybe they put together another another record with Kanye. Um, but Jay-Z has proven, you know, and there's probably other people, but I can just say Jay-Z has done many albums in which Kanye and Pharrell are on, you know, Kanye and the Neptunes. I got to stop doing that. Kanye and the Neptunes both were producing on the record and it worked. I will say probably this is just me um, off the top of my mind. I think what makes these records not work is because the Kanye record that you were talking about, was it Dreaming of My Past or something like that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That record sonically just does not fit. And I feel like that's the problem. I feel like Diet Coke can live on there. I think I think Diet Coke lives pretty well on that album. And that's even different. But it can kind of survive because I feel like the tone of that record fits the tone of all the rest of the records. But I feel like even like I'm cool with Hear Me Clearly not being on the album. I I like it. It's a Nego record. I mean, it's a record that you did for the Nego album. You probably were like, man, this is a good record. And then you put it on your album, which means it's very pop. I mean, it could win the other way around. But the way you presented it to me, it's Nego's record. You marketed and promoted it as Nego's record. You take that Nego record. And I don't even, I don't like that either. I could go on rants, but I. I don't even like that either. Like, I feel like you, this is supposed to be this big body of work you presented to us. I don't want to hear a record that you got on a guy's mixtape or a guy's, you know, their feature album that you throw on this, you know, masterpiece body of work. Like, you know, that, that could be an extra, that could be a bonus track or something like that. But I don't want that in the meat of that album. Like I want the meat of that album to be, these are the records that are pushers records. Nobody has these records, but pusher. Let's make right. that hear me clearly could be a bonus, maybe on the DSPs or something like that. But I just feel like, and I think, I just think that, um, also sure. I like the album. I think that the, the beats, that were picked from both people are too contrasty yeah. with each other. Like if, if they were going to go, cause Kanye can make records that are stripped down and have 808s on them and stuff like that. He's done that. You know, if you look at Yeezus, if you look at, um, even records that he did for Pusher before this album, um, he can do those type of records. So I, I think, or, you know, whoever he's working with and producing with, he can get them and him get together. They can make those type of records. So I feel like they may have wanted to like, yo, let's get Kanye on the sample tip and mix it in with Neptunes on the keyboard tip. In theory, that sounds right, but the the stuff that they picked, it's like Dreaming yeah. of My Past is so definitively kind of like a sample-y, like, mm -hmm. 
it is so not like what the rest of this is on. Like, you listen to On Air and you listen to Dreaming of My Past, you're like, yo, this is night and day. Like, on a, yeah. That that might be the only thing that kind of is a thing about that joint is I think in theory it was thought to be a great idea. It is, but it's kind of like I would have liked them to ask Kanye because I feel like Pharrell made the better beats on this album. I would have liked them to ask Kanye to be like, yo, let me let you hear what Pharrell's doing. I want Diet Coke. I'm keeping Diet Coke on here. I kind of want to just die. Coke has got to be on here. And, and, you know, I'm just going to charge that one to the game. Whatever other records you put on here, it's got to have some of this. You got to you got to meet us here because Pharrell seems to have found a groove. I need you all to meet me here. That's how I would do it, you know, in my opinion. But overall, you know, solid album. It's I'm still on the fence saying it's his best, but it's definitely one of his best. You know, I still feel like Daytona is an amazing record. So we'll we'll, we'll, uh, we'll we'll you know, good record, solid record, um, good effort. Um, very interested to see how they'll continue to roll out um, this summer. I want to before we get up out of here, I I want to touch on this topic. And this is our last topic, ladies and gentlemen. We're just going to say a few things. But I felt like it needed to be talk about, talked about because I've never seen something so crazy on video. Like, and it's funny, I look at my phone, you know, in the morning, I was like, yo, Dave Chappelle gets attacked on stage. I was like, yo, that's got to be a joke. It can't be real because we just got finished with the with the Chris Rock and Will Smith thing. I'm like, there's no way everybody saw that and you don't get a certain level of security that will not allow anything to happen. Um, so that, you know, that was just kind of threw me off. So I watched the video and I see this guy. I don't know how you... I don't know how you make your way that far and get up to the stage. And uh, that, that, I don't, that was just unbelievable. But <laughs> the funniest part has to be Dave narrating, like the whole, narrating this stuff while like the, the Negro is getting like stomped out behind him. <laughs> <laughs> like getting his arms broke behind him. Like one thing's for sure, ladies and gentlemen, you Dave's not the guy you want to run up on the stage. Man. You you might get up there. You might. But the ramifications of after you doing that, like that nigga got his eyes leaned, you know, one eye shut. Just just it's brutalized, but the worst part, how y'all put handy handcuffs on this broken arm? <laughs> he was not going to resist. <laughs> he was captured. He was subdued. <laughs> he had been subdued a long minute ago, man. He had he had at least thirty people 
freaking brutalizing him. You wouldn't have been happier to see the police. Trust me, he wants to go with y'all. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm not joking. When I say 30, it was a mob back there of Negroes, like, it wasn't like no five people. You know, you might have a security a security team of like three to five, maybe even. Let's just give them a presidential. You got like ten. I'm not. It's probably more than ten. But I'm just saying, you got like a small crew of people, right? That stuff is insane. The fact that he was able to like. <laughs> He was able to, you know, be somewhat, you know, he probably, he was hurt, but he wasn't like, you know, dang near, you know, up out of here. But it's like, what did you think when you, when you, when you, when you heard about it? And then what did you think when you saw, like, how that even went down? And I was just like you. When I first saw the uh, headline, in my mind, I'm just like, okay, that, that couldn't have happened. Like, there's no way that happened. This has to be some sort of joke or that. And then I just almost didn't even want to watch it because I'm like, I don't even want to see into this because what is this? What, what are people doing now? Is this a thing? Is this something that's going to continue now? Good Anytime point. a, a comic is on stage, like people are just going to do this for attention. But then <laughs> I saw the video. And, well, actually, I heard it on Breakfast Club first. I heard them talking about it. Then I saw the video. Uh, but when they when they explained what happened to the to the guy, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your, your belief, but when they said what happened, then I, I kind of felt a little bit relieved. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, think, <laughs> I think this will at least be a lesson for people to not want to try this in the future. Absolutely. Uh, maybe it was good in a sense that it happened in the way that it did because um, hopefully people won't, won't hop on the train if you think that's something that you should do. You know? Because uh, you don't want to end up like that, man. You don't Yo. want to get your whole arm rearranged. Yeah. Emotionally. <laughs> and he had a knife... Like, it, I think it was, like, a gun knife. Okay. Yeah. He, he had a weapon. You know? He could have was, easily... What was the intent, man? What was the intent? What yeah. was the end goal here? What, what, what was he trying to accomplish? He's trying to like, tackle Dave. He tried to tackle him. I don't think he really got him. But No, uh, he did You know, he kind of, like, see... I mean, shout out to Dave kind of having, you know... he. Didn't let him take him, take him down. Pass out. Pass out. Who his hair was like a sponge? <laughs> yeah. When, when Chris Rock said, you know, hey, was that Will Smith? <laughs> yeah. Jamie Foxx came up, and, and you know it was it was it was it was it was hilarious. I I love how they made jokes, like they made jokes. Yeah. Like he's like, you know, in thirty five years of doing this, you know, I, you know, this is my first time like stomping on a person. Like I've never done that before. <laughs> he 
That's what. That's how you gotta do it. Hi, where was Buster? Buster just like chilling in the back, like, oh crap, this guy is getting, this guy's getting destroyed. Buster, like, yeah, son, yo, that's how you gotta do it. You gotta do it. You gotta but um, what? Uh, quick, what? What do you think? What do you? Because we talked about this, I, I feel this is a it's a very very bad trend that's going on. What, what do you what do you feel is going on? Because I feel like comedians have always said crazy stuff. They've always said things that maybe the audience wasn't all the way on, but no one ever felt like, "Yo, man, I'm gonna run up here and, and do something." Like that that never was thought to be. So I mean, what do you think is happening? Because I feel like something. The third wall has been broken, you know, and I think I'm sure other comedians have had to fight and, you know, had to, you know, maybe get into a little something where, you know, they they, they had to fight for themselves. Like somebody was trying to attack them. This is the first time that I think that there is a, you know, if you say something that I don't like, like, I'm not just going to sit here and let you say that. Like, I might come up there. Well, I want to, you know, I don't know. I haven't heard yet what this guy's motivation may have been. So I don't want to assume that it was about a joke, you know, because we don't really know. That's what people are. True, true, People are throwing that out there, but we don't really know what was on this guy's mind until we get to the bottom of that. I don't want to assume that that's what it was. But, because um, we're basing that off of the will thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, we're basing exactly, that off of that, and that may that not be. That may, that not, may be. not be. If it is that, uh, one thing that I was um, thinking is that I know we just. I feel like we live in a sensitive time, man. It's a very sensitive time, and I feel like I don't know what it has anything to do with pandemic or, you know, everything that came as a result of that. Um, or it's just, you know, as as time goes on, you know, people evolve. Who as a society become different, you know. Um, because one thing I was noticing as well, just last night, um, Luca Doncic uh, basketball player for the Mavs got into some kind of argument with the with the fan in the stands, and I've been noticing in the NBA playoffs that this same thing keeps happening. And surely these fans can't be saying anything that fans haven't said in the past, but for some reason these basketball players now are having a very strong reaction to it. Whereas basketball players in the past, you just, you just never saw that, you know? So I'm wondering whether we just live in a more sensitive time and then people, people's feelings are easily hurt or more easily hurt and they feel the need or they feel empowered to act on those feelings uh, versus before just taking it, you know? I don't know what it is, but it's, it's definitely interesting to to see those type of things play out uh, 
in real time like that. Uh, I, I think it has to be something, somewhat of a connection to it, but I'm not really sure what that is. It's definitely crazy, and definitely is something that I hope, you know, after this last situation, like you said, it may not be that that, that was the reason that they were offended. I, I mean, I know that there's a lot going on where, you know, Dave has had issues with uh, the trans community, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, they have different ways that they see things, and... Um, you know, that has had people, you know, definitely have strong opinions from that community towards him. And, you know, that there's definitely, you know, that, you know, also the situation with the, I think it was a development that was uh, a low income development that was going to come into his neighborhood. And he kind of was like, nah, you know, I'm not with that. Like, nah, y'all told me that y'all are not going to do that. And they got him, you know, at one of their community meetings, you know, like, I brought this money to this town. Like, you know, y- y'all told me y'all weren't going to do that. So, I don't, you know, there's many things that maybe a person could feel a way about them. Or you could have been, you know, high off of dust and just was doing wild shit. You know what I mean? It's very yep. possible that that could have been it, too. Uh, but I do think that uh, whether it's, you know, a real reason or just, like, being on some wild stuff, I do think that there is something that is happening that is making a comedian, you know, today feel a little different. You know, and uh, we come from the uh, Def Jam era. We come from Comic View era. Like, I don't know, like, the stuff that we hear today, like, it is, I mean, it's light compared to the things I grew up. What we grew up listening to, like, when you go back and listen to it, I mean, it gets, you would never have, TV would cancel you a long time ago. Like, it's just, you know, they just said anything. And so, um, if that's the case, then, you know, that's, you know, we have, you know, there's some things, you know, we've, you know, things have changed. Um, and if it's just wild people, I feel like I never saw them just run up on stage. Like, they might have been on some stuff, but they just didn't feel like they could run up on stage. And so, um I think yeah. I think we're gonna definitely have I think there's gonna be with concert uh venues and uh concert I guess bookers or you know, you know, big companies that put together these tours. I think that they're gonna have a very long conversation about, hey, we need to really get an understanding with our the people that we book and really figure out this security thing together because you know, he had a weapon on him. Like, it's funny that he tackled him, but he really could have just stabbed him. Like, he really could have yeah. just tried to kill him. I mean, that's just, it was it was there. Mm-hmm. It was readily available. Like, while he ran into him, he really could have just ran up and stabbed him. So it's like, yeah. you have to address this. Um, I think that right now it needs to be uh, strong decisions need to be made about how they want to go about it. Cause I, I just think that Dave or Chris or, you know, whoever, Jamie, whoever, like, I just think anybody on stage as an entertainer needs to feel um, that they can do their art 
in a safe space. Um, if you don't like them, that's fine. But that part where you just roll up on them, you got to stop that immediately because I think it's a copycat league. And uh, you don't want people just feeling like even if they high off of dust, you know, you want them to feel like, hey, I don't. Now, this last case might make a few people feel like, hey, <laughs> don't really want my arm broken like that. I may not do that. Yeah, I don't being stomped out by thirty people. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like a good day. Doesn't yeah. seem like a fun time. The wicked case of the beat. I mean, that was that was you know for all the guys that missed that one, it was like, man, we missed you, but we ain't miss you. You know, we're gonna we're gonna he going he may be like, dang it, why nobody but but he can't you know well you know he. There was something done to you for that. Now you 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 came up in, you did what you did, but you know that man got a broken arm today. A broken arm today, and and may have another broken arm. Like I, it's very possible both yeah. arms were broken. That I think they probably were both broken. <laughs> <laughs> he got pummeled. <laughs> It's been a long time. I've never seen that many people beat on somebody. I've it's been a long time since I've seen someone get beat on like that. Like you just like, yo. Dang, it's a lot of people back there kicking that guy. Like, yo. Yo. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. But um, yo, uh comment. Let us know what you think about the Pusha T album. You've had some time to sit back and relax. And, uh, you know, you had some days to really check it out. What's your favorite records? Um, what would you give it out of five mics? Like, do you, where, where do you think it needs to be rated? Um, and, um, yeah, that's about it. That's about it. Uh, you got anything you want to say? Watch your head. Watch that. Yo, very essential pieces to life. Y'all stay good out there. Take care of yourself. And uh, don't run up on stages when comedians are there. Don't do that. Don't, you know, don't mess up the vibe. You sit back. You sip a little something. Oh, I'll give you a tip, though, if you go to a comedy show. Don't sit up front. I have never understood why people do that, that you know that's where they roast you at. You know, especially if you got your girl with you or something like that. Nah, man. You know, go ahead. Find you something in the mid. You don't have to go all the way to the back. But somewhere in that middle area, you know, get you a drink. Y'all chilling, eating a little bit of food, and just have a good time. Sitting up front, you're asking to be roasted. You're going to get roasted. At some point in that, you know, the roast will happen. You will be rotisserated. So just don't do it. That's my pro tip for you. Y'all stay good out there. Y'all stay great out there. And uh, we'll catch you on the next pod. Peace.